You're listening to the NetDocuments Cloudcast with Stephen and Mike. Here we talk everything NetDocuments, along with relevant events and technology, and a few other things sprinkled in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the NetDocuments Cloudcast. I am joined today with Mike Sanders. Hey there, Mike. Hey, Stephen, and I'm joined here with Stephen Baird. It's good to be with you again today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today, all of our tens of listeners. We are so excited for you to be joining us on this session where we talk about all things cloud all the time. And speaking of which, Mike, I know you've got some exciting stuff to talk about today with the cloud. Are you looking forward to it? Oh, absolutely I am. Yes, I, uh, you know, just like you, I, I live the cloud every day, sometimes live the cloud at night in my dreams or nightmares, depending on how they go, but absolutely. <laughs> well, good. Well, hopefully we'll only talk about the good dreams today. How's I that sound? So. We, we might get into some nightmares later on, but we'll, we'll focus on the good dreams. And okay. speaking of which, one of the things that came out today uh, recently, Mike, that I know you were heavily involved in is you were recently at Legal Tech where you showed the net documents proof of concept with blockchain. What was that like for you being a part of that? You know, it was it was quite an honor. So NetDocuments is part of a global blockchain consortium. That's a mouthful to say. And what they what they did was on that particular session that evening, which was in the middle of legal tech, uh, we all went over, um, I believe it was Oryx offices. And there were three different vendors, NetDocuments being one of them, that had committed to doing a proof of concept of integrating blockchain into their particular service that they provide. You know, our development team spent a little bit of time really in talking to them. It wasn't a lot, but they spent a little bit of time and integrated the concept in net documents of locking a version. You know, as an example, a use case is let's say I've got a version of this non-disclosure agreement and I'm going to send it to my client for them to review and sign. In that documents, locking the version simply says this version now becomes a record. It can't be edited. It can't be deleted, etc. So three years down the road, I still have that version of that document that I sent to the cl- that client at that point in time. So what we did is with the lock version process in that documents, we added another optional step that says take this version and submit it to blockchain. Now, blockchain is is still relatively new. This is a proof of concept. And many people may not yet understand really what blockchain is. And essentially what blockchain is, just a really simple explanation, is it is a distributed ledger. Let's say there are 10 different people in our little blockchain here. I submit the exact same thing to all 10 people. That way, person number one has the same thing as person seven, as person three, as person six. And they can verify one with another to say, yep, we all have the exact same thing. That's how we integrated net documents. And what's really nice with that is we don't submit the content to the blockchain because there would be security concerns. What we do is create a hash value of the content of the document and submit the hash to the blockchain. So your document content isn't actually submitted and and out there in the blockchain world, your content still lives within net documents, but the hash of the content, which then can be verified independently by someone else on the blockchain, simply allows 
outside people to trust that what you have sent them is what you indeed have. So it was, you know, it was quite nice to be involved in the blockchain to wow. see what other people are doing as well. And, uh, you know, we've got some really good things, um, very interesting things that, that were discussed that I could easily see being brought into not just net documents, but into the legal community as well. You know, Mike, it's, it's fascinating. Blockchain today, much like cloud computing, is actually one of those hot buzzwords. Everyone's talking about it, but not a lot of people know what they can do with it. And I, it, it's just amazing from a technology standpoint with net documents being a part of an organization that is looking to always innovate leading technology such as blockchain. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're on this call. You shared a lot of really big words in that description and, uh, and you explained those very nicely. So thanks for that. So Stephen, do I need to get smaller words for you or are we okay? Um, I, I'm going to say smaller words for someone else that's sitting next to me right now, but I'm not going to share his name. <laughs> or her name. Come on. If you say his name, <laughs> or, I know who you're or, talking about. <laughs> uh, well, I will plead the fifth on, on responding to that question in general then. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> no, yeah, that's just, anyway, it's an exciting day. Sorry. Any, anyway, what, um, you know, I know that, uh, that you and I've talked about doing a, a future podcast that goes into more detail about blockchain and, and really what that is. I gave you kind of the peripheral and the the fluffy stuff, but we've got people on staff that, that we plan to interview and bring on our podcast that absolutely know the details, can talk bits and bites and really give you meat of, of what that actually means. And Mike, I, I'm going to give a little advertisement plug here. I believe uh, with this press release about net documents uh, doing a proof of concept with blockchain, where can I read about that? You can go to the net documents blog where we put all of our press releases and this one happens to be one of the latest ones that is available, at least as of the time we're recording the podcast. Awesome. Nice little plug there for the net documents blog. Anytime you want to see some of these new technologies coming to uh, to the front lines of net documents, uh, www.netdocuments.com, and you'll find the blog and those press releases right on that page. Nice little, nice little advertisement there for our marketing team. They'll, they'll thank us later. Hey, Stephen, you could do this for a living. Very nice. Okay, well that uh, wraps up kind of our introduction for this particular podcast. And uh, if you'll hang on for just a few seconds, we'll be right back and get into our next topic. All right, everybody, welcome back after that short break. Hope you enjoyed those sweet tunes. And now we're going to talk about what the Cloudcast is going to be about today, which is the cloud. Wait, um, Stephen, are, are we talking rain clouds, white clouds, black clouds, storm clouds? What, what are we talking here? When we talk about clouds on the Cloudcast, it's only nice white clouds with some sunlight peeking through, and it's a beautiful day. Give me a nice That's the only clouds we talk there. about. <laughs> nice little breeze, maybe some toes in the sand. Uh, the, you, you can't beat the type of cloud that we talk about. I like it. <laughs> so what we want to do today, we want to outline just some of the benefits of the cloud. And ultimately, we want to compare what's a cloud experience like versus maybe what you've experienced elsewhere, which is hosted, which is on-prem, which is something that is requiring local hardware. 
Mike, how does that sound for you? I think that sounds good. And and one of the things I want to make sure we differentiate is, uh, and we'll kind of go through this as well, is for the longest time, there were companies, and, and we felt this you know, firsthand, there were companies that did not have a cloud solution that were anti-cloud. And as, you know, on the net document sales team as we would go into a deal we heard a lot of this misinformation oh the cloud isn't secure oh it's, it's not this it's not this it's not this and what's interesting is those vendors that were taking that approach have realized but wait in spite of everything we've been saying people are still going to the cloud people want the cloud so as Stephen mentioned you know, when we talk about a hosted or an on-prem solution, as many of these vendors have quickly run and, and taken their on-prem solution and made it a hosted solution and called that cloud. And so that's a little bit more specifically what we want to talk about is, you know, not all clouds are created equal. And we'll give you some examples and, and a couple of different things that will help you compare versus what we believe a real or a, a true cloud solution is versus one that's not necessarily the the same, it's more of a hosted solution. So that's kind of the backdrop for where we want to go today. Perfect. So just to start with that, Mike, let's give a background of what the cloud is. What's the true cloud experience? How I know I'm interacting with a true cloud versus maybe a cloud in disguise. And one of the first things that I always mention is cloud means that it's born on the web. It's a native cloud platform that has a single instance of software running globally for all customers. That means that the back-end technology infrastructure comprised of modern and scalable cloud technologies such as you know, NoSQL, NewSQL, uh, Lucene, Solar Search, Object Storage, Erasure Coding, the list goes on, is all available from within that entire true cloud platform. And you know, as you look at different cloud vendors, you're going to find some that are like that. By the way, NetDocuments, everything we talk about from the cloud stuff, NetDocuments is. But as you look at perhaps someone who's not that true or, or a, I don't know, true cloud, I guess, is the best term to use, but they are more of a hosted environment, is they're using traditional on-premises technology. So you may be dealing with your traditional SQL databases or, heck, even access databases where they have an infrastructure dedicated for each particular customer. It requires a separate instance of the software. Uh, and so on and so forth. So it was, there is a huge difference. And as we go through these, you're going to, we'll make sure and point them out. Absolutely. And you know, when we, when we talk about these cloud uh, solutions that exist today, it's very important to look at the experience in the cloud. Uh, it's not easy to deploy a cloud solution to have thousands of users access a single instance of the software one of the things that I always like to point out with net documents being in the cloud is not just are we in the cloud, we've been in the cloud for more than 15 years. We were in the cloud before it was even called cloud. And because of that, we do have the capability to support more than 2000 customers, uh, hundreds of thousands of users accessing the system day in and day out, millions of calls, millions of documents being added, search criteria is running day in and day out on a mature, robust cloud experience that, by the way, is operating on what the true cloud platform experience is. 
Yeah, you're exactly right, Stephen. And one of the other things to consider is, you know, when it comes to performance, when it comes to other types of things, someone may be thinking, well, great. So I've got this cloud platform, has hundreds of thousands of people, lots of documents. But you know what? Potentially could be a scalability issue with all that stuff on here. Whereas if I go to a hosted solution, all of a sudden it's just my organization interacting with that hardware with uh, with that infrastructure and while they're correct there's a downside to this as well and in the famous words of our CTO Alvin Tejamulia he explains it like this and it really hits home if you're a lot like me you love puppies if you bring a puppy home I've got one puppy I can give it all of the love in the world I can be sure it gets fed I can be sure it goes on a walk every day it gets the water it needs and I'm really able to take great care of that one puppy. Now, what if I have a thousand puppies? Well, I can't quite take care of a thousand <laughs> puppies the way I can take care of one. And so as you look at, okay, great. So I've got a hosted solution, but am I one of hundreds of organizations that use the hosted solution from the same company? Am I one of thousands of companies that use that? And what kind of care can they take of me if I'm one of many? Whereas you look at, the single global platform of net documents that is the one puppy that is what we take care of and that is one of the benefits that you get by being a net documents customer and really where that true cloud comes in i love that analogy especially because i am a huge fan of puppies so thank <laughs> I, I i like that one a lot and i had a i had an imagery in my mind of the puppy that i was holding while while you were sharing that experience so thank you mike thank you alvin for that analogy i really like that one <laughs> you know, Mike, when we're talking about the cloud and we talk about cloud experience, not are we only just talking about maturity of the platform form, but what's it like for the end user? How can the cloud benefit the end user? And one of the things that's heavily talked about when we talk about maturity of a cloud platform is connectivity to the cloud. Obviously, as a platform that is born on the web means that you access the cloud using a connection to the internet or a, a, a network set up to be able to communicate and access your documents that are stored in a cloud environment. Well, with that, you're also susceptible to maybe not having the internet. If I'm going away to my cabin, I know I want to disconnect from the cabin. So how can I prepare for that and access my content still or wait, a, wait. an experience? Steven, you have a cabin. You haven't told me about it. I'm jealous. When do I get invited? There are certain things that uh, I, I look for in an individual. Mike, you're close. You're close. Okay. We mentioned uh -huh. on my last podcast uh, about my addiction with fly fishing. You, you, you that that's the one requirement is you have you have to go uh, and and uh, be susceptible to my addiction if you come to the cabin. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to consider that then, Stephen. So Barbara Streisand, got it, huh? <laughs> Barbara Streisand on the radio while we're driving and on uh, and and uh, in your ears on the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I am up there getting ready for my week-long fishing trip, and I know I'm not going to have internet access, but in the nighttime I have a specific uh, set of documents I need to access. Or or another example that I think rings even more true home. Uh, to, to you, Mike, and, and to Ayu as we sit on airplanes, anyone that's experienced the, I, I like to call it the go-go experience, 
where yes, I've connected to the in, uh, to the internet and I get to do it 20 more times during my flight to be able to actually, prepare for those moments. I, I actually call that experience the no-no experience. <laughs> that's a lot more accurate, isn't it? Any Anyone that's that sat on a plane knows that while it's absolutely phenomenal that we can get internet connection in the air, five minutes of it through different uh, interval or 20 different times through different five minute intervals uh, can often be confusing and frustrating. But if you're on a cloud platform that has that type of maturity, we know how to handle it. Net documents those type of issues. If I'm going away to my cabin, I can synchronize my content and have it available offline to be able to edit it. And then as soon as I get back online, I don't have to use my LTE data the entire time. I can just connect for a few minutes and resynchronize, or I can just wait to the end. And if all the changes I've made uh, need to be uploaded to the service, it happens. Or in the no-no or the go-go experience, that means that if I have the ability to connect for five minutes and I'm working on a document, it doesn't matter if I connect down the road another five minutes or if I lose my, lose my connection temporarily. The system is resolving those issues for you. So not only is it a, the ability to interact with the cloud while I have a stable connection, it's handling the scenarios where even in the world we live in today, where internet is everywhere, if I do have that experience where I'm losing it like 37,000 feet in the air, Net Documents is handling it for you. And that's, you know, that's a great example of where this mature cloud platform comes into play is while we do focus on the reliability of the cloud, the performance, the stability, et cetera, we, we've got that down pretty well where we can focus on some of the ancillary benefits of that documents, which is exa exactly what you just described, which is the offline or the mobile capabilities or, you know, things along those lines that not everyone may realize, hey, I can really use that based upon my lifestyle and how I work. And it's interesting that when you look at some of the other systems available today that offline capabilities, it's more of the, I know I'm going to be offline. So it's a traditional briefcase style, let me download while I'm offline rather than the reactive offline capability that uh, NetDocuments can provide. You know, as as we're talking about this maturity uh, in a cloud platform that allows new technology to come into play to handle, for example, an offline window uh, or, or an outage window with my network, uh, or when we talk about the ability to, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about blockchain, to be able to use blockchain. One of the things that a true cloud environment gives you is automatic inheritance across the global customer base to upgrades to the system. And so all customers are always on the most recent version and they always have continuous and instantaneous access to latest products, uh, latest product upgrades, any bug fixes that may be discovered that need to be released, uh, security patches. It's all always deployed across the entire base. And along those same lines, Stephen, you know, what's nice, at least from, and speaking specifically now about NetDocuments, which is what we consider the true cloud, is as those updates are rolled out, you mentioned the inheritance that everybody gets that without doing a thing. But on top of all of that, when those updates are rolled out, 
there's no scheduled downtime. There's no downtime at all. People do not lose access to their content. We've architected the system in a way where it allows us to do that, whereas you look at, say, a hosted system, which, remember, is simply your traditional on-premises system, except the back end is located in someone else's data center, not yours, to apply security patches, to apply software updates to the back end, maybe upgrading the SQL database, all of that type of work requires scheduled downtime when people will not have access to the system. And so this then comes back to that offline capability. <clears throat> what I've seen typically is, okay, we've got maintenance this weekend, system will be down for about four hours if you need access to your documents. Download what you need while we're offline and then when we get, when we get back online, you can then upload any documents where you've modified the content. So there is a visible scheduled downtime of those types of systems, whereas with NetDocuments, we traditionally do not have that with, with the cloud model that we have. So it's a very important distinction between the two. And it's funny, Mike, I've talked to so many people that when we talk about the scheduled maintenance with a true cloud like NetDocuments, so many people like to just visualize in the back of their mind that here in the NetDocuments office, there's just a big red button on the wall of our, our head of development. And when a release comes out, all he's got to do is hit that red button and, and it goes out because that's how seamless it is. That's how fast it is is knowing that there's no downtime. And for my end user's experience, it is almost immediate to be able to get that new upgrade, that new technology, the fixes, the security patches. While the full understanding comes into place that the NetDocuments development team does a lot more than that to make sure that it is that seamless. But the end user experience is, is almost as if there's a big, nice red Office Depot, that was easy button. And, yeah. and that's the experience we want our users to have. That's exactly right. In fact, several people in our office have that red easy button where you can punch it on their <laughs> desk and it says, that was easy in a, in a nice room. It just makes you thing. feel good inside. Oh, it does. <laughs> and who doesn't want to feel good, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, one of the, the final things to talk about, there's, there's so many amazing topics that come to play when we're talking about a true cloud platform. Upgrades, new, new, uh, new features, new functionalities, patches, all of that being deployed is, is a big part of it. But one of the requirements that is also needed oftentimes when you are accessing the cloud is sometimes your documents need to be stored in a very specific location. There's, uh, you know, in the world we live in today, there's a lot of data sovereignty laws to say, yes, you, you want to use all the benefits that are in the cloud platform. You want to use the document management functionality that NetDocuments provided, but my documents should not be stored in the cloud. Well, a true cloud platform takes this into consideration, and a cloud platform that has the experience of NetDocuments has answers for that. The ability to offer flexible data storage locations, whether it's in the cloud, whether it's on-premise, whether it's using uh, a, a specific regional cloud, such as in Microsoft Azure, the ability to say, yes, I want all the functionality in the system. I want the security of the system, but I want also the documents to be stored where they're supposed to be stored. And NetDocuments, as a true cloud provider, offers that, that you can easily set where the documents should be stored, maybe based upon the matter. Or if I have a client 
that wants all their documents stored inside that client's office or inside that client's country. We absolutely can do that. And it is not only easy to do, but it's transparent to the end user. They are accessing the documents just like they would in any other day-to-day -day experience while the knowledge is there that the docu documents are stored and meeting those data sovereignty laws. Exactly. Now, to be fair, right, we want to be fair and balanced, not to rip off another network here, but, um, sure. you know, we've got, so other other hosted solutions have the ability to say, great, you've got data for this client, it needs to be stored here. Absolutely, they can accommodate that. One of the big differences, however, is something you talked about, which is transparent to end users. So it comes down to that user experience is, in a hosted solution, if I have a client that says my data needs to be stored here, period, then typically what will happen is a, a separate library or a separate database will be created. That, that library is configured where everything in that particular library is stored in this particular location. And so that would meet your client's requirement. However, from a user perspective, it's a oh, wait. I'm dealing with data for this client. I have to go to this library and do it this way. It's, you know, I've got this other data for a different client, so I go over here and do it this way. So imagine if you're, if you're a law firm and you have four or five different clients that have those types of requirements, it can become extremely confusing and frustrating and I almost want to say time-wasting for a lawyer or a paralegal to have to bounce between the different libraries based upon which client they're working for. Whereas net documents, none of that is in the picture. It's all managed, all configured in the background. And as, as a lawyer, I simply do the same thing. And the system manages all of that in the back end. So that really is, for me, the big benefit of what a cloud solution versus a hosted solution allows you to do with, for data sovereignty. It's it's really remarkable that, you know, you go back 10 years ago when you were talking about the cloud, that the, this type of concept didn't even exist. But because NetDocuments was in the cloud 10 years ago, we learned from it. And the fact that this type of technology can be available today is just remarkable to me. Every time I, 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 I hear those topics or I, I speak about it, it's just fascinating, fascinating what's available to at our fingertips. Uh, to utilize in the world of cloud computing. And it's going to continue to get better. Exactly. And and along those lines, you know, NetDocuments doesn't have the ability to do everything. While uh, it's really close, there are things that it can't do. But while there are things that it can't do, it also has the ability to connect or integrate with virtually any other application or platform out there. And again, going back to that cloud experience, being able to have native cloud APIs as well as an infrastructure that can scale to perform in the uh, in the presence of a third-party application, whether or not they're they're cloud-based or even if they're desktop applications, having that library of APIs available as well as already a library of existing integrations available to connect into the system. That's, that's exactly another huge component to to cloud computing is there's no boundaries because you can connect to all those other applications 
That's exactly right. And, and you know, one of the interesting things is when, especially when you talk about a hosted solution, that yeah, they have APIs and third parties can integrate with them, but there is specific configuration parameters that go into each installation of that third party integration because each hosted instance or each on-prem instance is going to have different connection parameters, whether it's a different IP address or a URL or different security parameters or, or a different port. NetDocuments has a single configuration, which makes it very simple for the third parties to integrate with us. It also goes to the back-end infrastructure Whereas NetDocuments has, you know, we've got hardware that is dedicated to all third-party integrations. So any third-party coming in to access the system, they will all hit the same set of hardware. They'll make the same API calls, so it's standard across the board. Whereas in a hosted model, that it's not necessarily the case because each one is going to be a little bit different. You know, Mike, another very important thing to point out here, you mentioned the back-end infrastructure to support uh, integrations. One of the other things that NetDocuments brings to the table, uh, something we affectionately refer to as our ND compute fabric, which means that we are actually providing to our customer base third-party integrations embedded in the service, that we have back-end-to-back-end -to -back -end integrations with those key vendors. A, a perfect example of this, if you don't mind me sharing it, is I need to compare a file. Well, a lot of people in uh, in legal, in, in the corporate world, are familiar with the WorkShare comparison tool. One of the things that NetDocuments will be able to offer with this back-end-to-back-end -back integration is the ability to utilize that WorkShare very robust and mature comparison utility, even if I don't have the software, because it's available embedded in NetDocuments. And we're going to continue to grow that fabric working with other key vendors in the marketplace, such as AI. A, you know, a press release came out recently about a partnership with Kira to be embedded into the service. And that's just another example of being able to provide the complete solution to every customer. That's exactly right. I mean, just imagine that all of a sudden, and it's what we call internally a zero footprint desktop. So now all of a sudden, all I need is a computer with an internet connection. I don't need any local software. We've got integrations with Microsoft Office 365 online. We've got integrations or we will have integrations with a few other strategic legal vendors. Uh, you mentioned WorkShare, which is one of the first forays into that. You mentioned Cura Systems, which is the first of many AI software vendors that are integrating. I've personally spoken to a couple other software vendors that are currently working on their integration with NetDocuments. So now you get this whole open platform type scenario. You know, you think of a, a Salesforce or a Facebook and all of the different plugins, all of the different companies that actually make a living simply based on the functionality they add to that particular platform. That's where NetDocuments is going. We've got the infrastructure. We've got the architecture. And that really is one of the big measures of this true cloud platform and how we've taken where we were a few years ago and really morphed into where we are today and where we continue to go. That's awesome, Mike. You know, we, we've talked about so many amazing things about cloud computing, about the differences between a true cloud and maybe a cloud in disguise. 
as well as what net documents brings to the table. And a lot of people might think we've just told the whole story, but the fact of the matter is we haven't. There's so many more things that not just cloud providers offer, but net documents in the cloud provides, such as security available in the cloud, encryption of documents available in the cloud, end user experience, uh, an experience that's intuitive to learn and familiar. Uh, you know, you mentioned Facebook, you, you can talk about Amazon. The document management service now can be a part of that conversation because of the end user experience. But these are things we're not going to go into all in today's Cloudcast. We need to save some topics for some of the ones down the road. So I'm going to stop you right there, Mike, and we're going to go ahead and end this segment, and we'll be back in just a second. All right, guys, welcome back to the final segment of, the, of today's Cloudcast. Mike, what do you say? I think we should wrap up today's episode with a little bit of fun. How does that sound? I completely agree. In fact, I like that so much. I think we'll make it a tradition on all of our podcasts that this last little segment, we'll just take a, a minute or two and have a little fun. Perfect. Well, I want to get it kicked off, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I have a, quest I have a question for you that okay. I hope the answer comes from something you experienced in your childhood but it may have been something that happened, I don't know, last week, last night, depending on what type of movies you're into. And that is, if you could share with us what part of a kid's movie gives you nightmares at night. Is there a, is there a specific kid's movie or specific scene in a kid's movie that just terrifies you? Oh, geez. I think most kids' movies these days terrify me. Um, but if I if I had if if I had to think back, yeah, it would it would be back there. Um, you mean so you don't watch kid movies today? I don't. My kids are a little older now. When I get to the uh, point I have grandkids, yeah, I'll I'll be seeing kids movies. <laughs> we, um, we live different worlds. I watch a kids movie way too way kids movies way too often. That's right. That's right. Of course, you don't have any kids yet, so that wouldn't change anyway, would it? <laughs> Sorry, Stephen has kids. Just playing with him here, trying to give now, me time to it, take it, an it, answer. It did happen before kids too, though. <laughs> to be fair, that's true. You know what? Okay, I've got the answer. I finally figured it out. But I've been delaying here. But it was Bambi. It was the death of the death of Bambi's mom was so tragic. Oh my goodness! I could not. That just made me cry when I was a kid. And it, you, it, you struck a chord. You struck a chord with me, me Mike. Yeah, I, I, I need to uh, I need to have a moment of silence while I regroup myself because that was a heartbreaking moment. OK, I'm good. OK, good. <laughs> Hope you have tissues next to you. OK, so, so I'm not going to let you off the hook. I do have a question for you as well. Um, by the way, just, you know, for our. 10 listeners um, listening here. Uh, these questions, we have not prepped each other beforehand, so these are off-the-cuff answers, and they're a complete surprise at the time that we ask the question. So, Stephen, here's your question. What is, something, what is something you think that everyone looks stupid doing? <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. I, I, I'm trying to think of some, uh, the, the thing I'm thinking about right now is something that, that personally 
I, I'm visualizing it in my mind and it's, and it's making me feel stupid, but I think flossing your teeth, you can't expand your cheek, cheeks like that with, with your hands in your mouth without just looking completely idiotic. Oh, that's a great question. And not even to mention the sounds that it can make sometimes too. Oh, 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 okay. I'm, I'm, I, I might need another moment to regroup myself after that. Now thinking about uh, people flossing their teeth. Well, absolutely for the dentists out there listening, um, everyone should floss their teeth. Just do it in a private corner when no one's watching. Of course. <laughs> Good answer. Very appropriate. Very PG. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone, all three listeners out there, thank you for tuning again today. And as always, until we speak again next time, keep your head in the clouds. Mm -hmm.